so it doesn't get bumped and turn off. Whoa, all these wires. Ready? Good morning. I am Reverend Allison Longstaff. It is Monday, July 31st, and we are at Freiburg New Church Assembly in 2017. I'm doing the opening lecture on the two stories of creation. Uh, this is something that was pointed out to me in Lutheran Seminary um, that I had never noticed before, that there's two different stories of creation. And researching it through the lens of Swedenborg was really fun um, because there was so, so much in every sentence um, that uh, was telling what this really means. Um, so I, we have a lot of, um, a lot of material to cover, but I, I'd rather we cover pieces of it nice and deep and satisfying rather than we get all of it this morning, because we can't anyway. So just off the top, what did you notice, if I didn't point it out super obviously, <laughs> about the difference between the two stories of creation? Did you know there were two different stories? Did it ever register? Yeah, okay. What did you notice? Anyone want to say? Are they exactly the same? No. No? So, yes. I think it's interesting how in our teaching, not Swedenborgian teaching, but growing up as just a mainline Protestant, how they were combined into one. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Instead of allowing for the two different. Two completely different ones. And I think it was that combination that made, had me not really take in that there's actually two completely different yes. stories. Why would the Lord do that? Why would God build that into the Bible? Because there's two ways we have of being and approaching the divine. Can you think of any other examples on the planet of two ways of being that are both legitimate? illustrated male and female yes and there's all different flavors of that we are now learning as a culture that it doesn't have to be all male all female there's a fluidity there but still that um, binary also helps us um, think about how the energies are different so that we can also understand how they can flow together so the first one is very uh, what I would say left brain it's very orderly it's very boxed it's very this, then this, then this, then this, with labels and packaging and done. The second one is very process. God gets right down into the mud, up to the elbows. God is doing clay working. If you've ever seen a potter at a wheel and the, the clay is like right up the arms, it's a messy process. And God is doing trial and error. Was there trial and error? And you know, like, oh, make, no, I'm going to change my mind. I'm going to do it this way. In the first one, none. But the second one's kind of like, you know, well, I'll try this. Uh, okay, now I'll try that. And, and um, one of the questions that this uh, professor um, posed was, did you ever think of God as kind of making mistakes or fumbling along or trying things and seeing if it worked? Not the way I was taught how God was. Not in process, not exploring, but very knows everything, does it right. So it could be teaching us that there isn't necessarily a right wrong about an explorative way of learning. 
an explorative way of finding our way along the path of regeneration. Um, I also have a lot to say about the languaging Swedenborg uses in talking about the internal sense of the second process. So the first process, um, Swedenborg is saying, is distinct stages of our path of regeneration. Um, and we'll do that one first. How long do I have? Till eight, no, nine, half 40? Half an hour? Okay, so um, till quarter of. All right, so 15 minutes, 10 minutes on the first story, 10 minutes a second, and then 10 discussion. Yeah, hopefully that's half an hour. I didn't do the best in math. All right, so um, Genesis 1. They're, so they are this consecutive stages of a person's regeneration. So stage one, God divides light and dark. What belongs to the external is separated from what belongs to the internal. Are we all clear on that? We all know what that feels like in our, oh wait, maybe not. What does that mean? Have you experienced that? What does that feel like in your daily life? For me, when I was thinking about it, and you can come up with a different conclusion, I was like, there's an observer self, and then there's the me that's just being. So the me that's just being, just driving the car down the road, and someone slams their brakes on, and I nearly hit them, and I'm like, idiot driver. And then there's the part of me that's, hmm, that's a bit of temper. Is that who you want to be? So this is the external, and this is the internal. So we, we begin to have a differentiation of just being and reacting, just very in the moment, very instinctive, and, oh, maybe that's not who I want to be. I have a value that is nice, calm, serene, patient, whatever, and I'm not seeing that. Does that make sense to anybody? So that works for, that's my current working theory, and I welcome other working theories. Okay, so I think I have a handle on that. That makes sense. The first way I begin to become an evolved being is to begin to look at myself and go, oh, maybe that's not who I want to be. Stage two, waters divided from waters. So waters above, waters below, with an expanse in the middle. Um, the second thing that we notice when we are, oh, this is, so this is Swedenborg. The second thing that we notice when we are being regenerated is that we have an internal self. Nevertheless, the external self remains convinced that we do it all ourselves and speak truth from our own goodness and wisdom. We don't, but regeneration, um, oh, the divine uses our feeling of doing it all ourselves to lead us towards getting that God's actually doing it. This is what Swedenborg says. Every single step of regeneration moves us from our external self. So, so in other words, this part's driving to this part's driving. So when he's saying moving from the external to the internal, who's making the decisions and the calls? Who's in the driver's seat? So we don't need to shame and blame ourselves when our external's driving because we're made that way. And it's a process to begin to get that first we have an observer self, and then the observer self is going better, worse, preferred, not so preferred, yelling at the driver, 
being all Dalai Lama and patient and waiting for life to evolve as it should. And most of the time I'm here, but there is a somebody going, hmm, I don't want to be there. So that's how I'm understanding day two. You're welcome to, you know, if you have an insight that works differently in your experience of living, um, it's probably valid. Day three is dry land and plants. Swedenborg says, once a person realizes that there is the reflecting self, internal, as well as the reacting self, external, the person realizes that no matter how it feels, the divine is the source, where are we, of all true ideas and good impulses that appear in their higher self. So Swedenborg says the waters that are gathered, so they're there and also separate from the dry land, the water that are gathered are our cognitions. Does everybody know what a cognition is? If I said go out and fetch a cognition and bring it to me so everyone can see a cognition. What's a cognition? We don't even use that in everyday language, do we? So I asked my husband, and he was like, oh, they're the stuff, the things you just know. That's what he said. It's what, what you just know. And I'm like, well, then how do you know if it's true or not? And I'm, I think you can, we can workshop this, but I think it's what you just know that you're not even necessarily examining. It's, it's just like what you assume is true. It's the stuff you stand on. You just know that's true. And I think part of that is why discussing politics is so hard is they're standing on a different land than me, and I don't think their land's valid. <laughs> And they don't think my land's valid, so how do we have a discussion that honors the ground they stand on and the ground I stand on? And talk about needing to stand on a ground and how we work with that rather than me invalidating the ground they're standing on. Does that make sense? This is me just trying to get a feel for, well, what's my experience tell me of being alive and working as a, being a human on the planet? It doesn't work if my external self is trying to argue with their external self about what we just know, well, I just know you're an idiot, you know, doesn't, doesn't solve the problems. And yet that's where a lot of the political conversations in my experience are going. So I'm using that not as we suck in our political discussions, but just it's a pretty living right now example of how well we do when our external self is driving and we're trying to navigate reality together with someone else who has a different ground of being than we do. Their, their foundational way of understanding how reality works is completely other than ours. Nevertheless, we need to have a ground that we stand on for plants to grow. Huh, interesting. Okay, all good and all truth come from the Lord. Anyone who imagines that they come from the self does not yet have a living faith. So, we can't help but feel like we do it all ourselves. Because if, I'm sorry, if I get up in the morning and go, okay, God, dress me and feed me, it doesn't happen. I do it. But actually, I couldn't even do it if I wasn't being given life at all the time. And when I was growing up, there was a pretty big heavy on always remembering to say, oh, but I didn't do it. God did it. God, God did it. I didn't. Don't praise me. I didn't do anything. God did it. And and I, as I grew up, thought, I think that's a little excessive. It's okay to go, isn't that cool? 
yeah, I did it. And especially kids, they really need to feel like they did it. You don't go, God drew a beautiful picture through your hand, but you didn't really do it. It's not, you, I mean, you intuitively know that's not how you work with children. It's, we're actually meant to feel like we do it ourselves. And eventually, we just kind of step into an awareness of, oh, actually, this is all, this isn't actually coming from me. It's just kind of luck and how the things work that these particular gifts are going out into the world through this energetic signature. But I, don't, I didn't cause that. I didn't give myself this particular brain that works this way. I didn't give myself this particular nervous system that can do these things well, but those things not well. It's just luck of the draw. Again, that's me just trying to workshop. Well, what does this look like? Uh, yeah, we're doing fine. Sun, moon, stars. Love is the greater light, which has dominion over the day. Faith, deriving from love, is the lesser light, which has dominion over the night. Everybody know what that feels like in your life? It's, it's, uh, it's abstract. It's easy to say, it's easy to think I know, but I'm not sure I, I know the energetic signature. So when I think about that from my own experience, and you're welcome to think about it from your experience, what does that mean? When I come from something I just really love and I'm really clear about, and I'm just doing it, I guess because the Lord is working through a gift that is strong in me, um, I feel like I shine bright. There isn't murkiness, dimness, lack of clarity in what I need to do and how I need to be. It's just like, voom. Show up, do it. There isn't a lot of interference in, am I okay? Am I doing it right? So that would be love leading and shining and bright. Faith leading to me right now is when my head, I've got a rule book, I've got a, I think I know what to do. Um, there's a, there's a rule or a system or a, I, I think I know the formula, so I'm following a rule book and a formula, but it's not as deeply embodied, it's not as known so completely. This is me workshopping the difference between moon and sun. What's interesting is in a lot of earth religions, the moon is the feminine and the sun is the masculine, which I would say is opposite of what this is saying as sun is love and moon is faith or head. But there's a lot of beautiful crisscross that way because there is no one gender that represents all perfect ways of being. It's to say that women are love and open and full and bright and you know the best and men are faith, which is head, which is, does some good stuff, but really what we're trying to do is get to love. That does the opposite of, of the sexism that we have in the world now where one gender is seen as better and the other one is kind of not as good. We're healing from that, but that's not good for us any more than going, well, the feminine's the best and the men are just a stepping stone to the feminine. That's not what this is saying, but it is, I think we all know what it is to be in our love, in our passion, in our, our something we just get intuitively and we're good at versus Okay, I've got the rule book, and uh, we'll follow the rule book, and I think we do this and we do that, which can get you through something, but it's not the same energy embodied. Does that make sense? So the moon can get you through, 
thank goodness for the moon. The moon can be very beautiful. And my goodness, do we need rule books? Like we need bones in our bodies. But um, I, it's just the illustration is pretty clear how different they are. And I'm hoping you're all going, oh, yeah, I, I know that experience of living. Because that's what I'm trying to get at for us in this room today is what does this feel like? Can you resonate with what's being described up here in your experience? Sea creatures and birds. It is perhaps incredible, this is Swedenborg, but nevertheless absolutely true that every expression, every idea, every least thought of an angelic spirit is alive. Whales, sea creatures, birds, everything that has life in it from the Lord is fruitful, is fruitful. Anything in your life that is filled with the Lord's life is fruitful and will multiply without limit. Does that mean if you're hitting walls and you're frustrated, well, you're just not following the Lord, right? And you're not following the Lord and that's why you're not fruitful? No. It just means that you're in a different stage. But when you hit those stages of things are just fruitful and multiplying, isn't it beautiful? Doesn't it feel amazing and wonderful? Everything that has life in it from the Lord is fruitful and multiplies without limit. This does not happen during a person's lifetime. But in the next life, it does so to an astonishing extent. I have never seen that before. It's always been there, but I've never seen that before. So yeah, a lot of trying to do regeneration here isn't going to feel particularly fruitful. It might be pretty frustrating and pretty, you know, watering and yet things are dying or bugs are eating them. It's okay. That is a teaching process. It doesn't mean we're wrong or bad or doing it wrong. It's all part of the Lord's plan. Land creatures and humans. At first, a human speaks truths and does good things from the head. I say head, this says faith, but I think for me, doing something from my head is different than doing it from my heart. Head and heart united is, is the best. Um, but I will say, you know, I believe that with my whole head, which means, okay, I get it up here, but I'm not feeling it. So if someone says, you know, oh, you're beautiful and lovable exactly the way you are, and most of the time my head's in a place of, of or, you know, I, I am in a place of fear of not being lovable enough. That's a big piece for me. I think it's true for a lot of people, but I don't get to say for you, but there's a part of me that's always afraid I'm not good enough, not lovable. So if someone says you're good and you're beautiful and you're lovable, I might get it with my head. My head gets it. Like, I totally believe we're all beautiful and lovable. But energetically, I'm not always there. So that would be faith as opposed to heart. I get it up here. It's not completely embodied yet. At first, a human speaks truths and does good things from the head, from knowing it's the right thing. This starts the work of conversion into a living faith. When the person speaks truth and does good things from a deeper understanding that is joined to love, this is living beasts or land mammals. Finally, we begin to act from faith and love simultaneously. Then we become a spiritual being, an image of God, represented by the humans created on the sixth day. 
and then God gets to rest. Swedenborg says, not all people who are being regenerated reach the seventh state, the state of rest. That's uh, celestial. You're not just united. You are totally living from love. The state of God resting is celestial, and it's put in chapter 2. Boom. First six days, chapter 1, because it's about our spiritual journey going from first awareness into as far as we can go using our head or our faith part. Chapter 2 starts with the seventh day. It's like, huh, why? Swedenborg says, because chapter 2 is about the love side of things, the love version of the story, the heart version of the story. Um, so, and he says, hardly anybody reaches the first stage. Or, or like, most people, they only make it to being aware they have an observer self. So if I had like most of us in the room, sit down, you're only at stage one. Three of you stay standing, you know, four stay standing. Um, some indeed, let's see, some reach merely the second, others the third, fourth, or fifth. Seldom do any reach the sixth, and hardly anybody at all reaches the seventh. Oh. I was kind of thinking, I'm, I'm kind of making it. Well, I think we have parts of us that are moving and parts of us that are stuck. It's kind of like yoga. Um, there's some poses that come really well and some poses that are just like, that's not opening. That might not open in my lifetime. It's okay. I don't think this is meant to shame us or shame anyone into, oh boy, well, I don't want to be one of these people who's only in the first stage. It just is, it's just a description of, of what we're actually working with here on this earth. It helps me be patient when I'm thinking everybody else should be a heck of a lot more evolved than they are. Oh wait, it's not about them. This is about for me to do my work. That's about for you to do your work. Oh right. All right, so second, second creation story. Oh, any questions, any thoughts, observations? We'll move on. So second creation story. A mist went up from the earth. We were talking about this a little. Um, and it really does say mist. It's not rain. It doesn't come from heaven. It comes from the earth. Swedenborg says, tranquility is meant by the mist. For tranquility resembles a mist. I guess that means it's very subtle. The serenity, which is characteristic of peace with a capital P, brings forth the things which are called the shrub of the field and the plant of the field, which is the way we think when we are in serenity or the deep spiritual peace. That kind of thinking produces a certain kind of perspective that is uniquely different from our usual everyday way of thinking, even our happy thinking. Deep spiritual tranquility produces a different life form that are these herbs. So we're talking now about the process that God is working on when he's working, he, she is working on our will side, our, our emotional feeling side, the celestial 
everyone clear the difference between spiritual and celestial? If you grew up Swedenborg, Swedenborgian and being taught in Swedenborgian, they were terms we, we used all the time. Um, and I have only recently realized, I'm not sure I really know what those, like my head knows, I can draw the charts and the boxes, but do I know what it means in my feeling self? That's okay. Um, I am pretty clear on doing stuff with my head. I do a lot of stuff with my head. My head's pretty good at doing stuff with my head. So I enjoy it. Um, and I can draw all the charts in the ups and internal and external and the, you know, the layer cake chart, if some of you know that one about heaven. Anyway, that um, doesn't actually help me be a better person. I can enjoy writing those charts. But how I am with the driver on the road, it's not actually affecting it much. So, so the whole purpose of this process is to actually affect how I am in the world, how I am with other people. Am I becoming a blessing to others? And this process is the process of making us an actual blessing in how we are in the world. And if most of us only make it this far, the world's going to be kind of a black and white place, kind of a divided place. So. A lot of this is maybe talking about what's going to get accomplished way down the road. But we're not meant to feel bad about ourselves being at whatever stage we're at. And probably, again, there's parts of us that are here, parts of us that are here, parts of us that are here. And all of it is good. Every stage is good. God's not judging us. God doesn't have a wristwatch. Come on because we have forever. And God knows what we can do and what we can't do at any given stage. We don't go to a kindergartner, shame on you. Why aren't you in grad school yet? The one who's most likely to shame the kindergartner is the first grader. Ah, you're so stupid, you don't know how to tie your shoes yet. But the grad school person isn't going, oh, you're so stupid, you don't, you know, like, you get it. You, were, you remember being a kindergartner and you don't expect the kindergartner to be able to do grad school work. So the people I'm most mad at and criticizing are probably the people I'm closest to <laughs> in evolutionary spiritual stage. That's been an eye-opener because I do have a part of me that loves to notice when other people aren't getting it right and to go, oh, that's me. That's me yesterday. That's me an hour ago. That is me judging me. Oh, that's why God says thou shalt not judge. Don't judge. Because whatever you judge is going to come back on you. Meaning, the judging that's in you is a judging energy. And if you're judging out, you're judging in. So when I'm rejecting something out there, I'm rejecting something in me. It doesn't actually deserve rejecting. The first grader rejecting and mocking and feeling superior to the kindergartner is trying to feel better than, trying to feel good enough, but is actually rejecting their own growth process. <laughs> And I've heard, I've heard um, probably you have too, um, in others, so I probably do it too, this, oh, last year I was so judgmental and I was so da-da-da-da-da, but I've learned. <laughs> and I'm like, that's me. I'm noticing that in you and thinking that's cute. And I'd rather think it's cute than stupid, you know, because we are cute. Do you look at someone that you think is not developmentally far along enough and go, cute? <laughs> but it's probably a nicer, kinder way to look at them than that idiot. 
So the celestial process, God, the way Swedenborg describes this, it's like better, 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 shining moment, God can rest, we become celestial, and then it's all downhill. So this creation story is actually full of bad, wrong, bad, wrong, stupid, bad, wrong language, and I choose to understand it differently because all of the process is in God's hands. So Swedenborg talks about um, the man being alone, the human feeling alone, as the human doesn't want to be celestial, the human wants to feel like he does it all himself, and God says, all right, you can feel like that, but it's not the best thing. And, and, and so he's, Swedenborg is talking about this in the terms of the people that lived a long, long, long time ago didn't want to be celestial anymore. They wanted to do itself. And God said, okay. And then things just got worse and worse and worse, and they were kicked out of Eden. And it's just kind of depressing. But if this is a story about our spiritual journey, and it's a metaphor in every journey, including the baby that's born and becomes a little bit aware, and then can kind of move arms and legs and see that they have some control, and then can grab things, you know, where all of these journeys are metaphored in this same way. Think about a two-year-old that is developmentally brain damaged, so they never develop a sense of themselves. They will remain sort of fused and dependent and childlike in a wheelchair, and then they die. Someone who's that brain damaged. Now think of your, your neurotypical child who is born into um, a typical body and grows up and they hit two years old and they start to go, no, do it self, no. I don't know if you've seen that video on YouTube. Um, you worry about yourself. Have you seen that one? It's this two-year-old in the back seat. Oh, dang, I wish I had it. Adorable little girl. And, and the camera's being held from the front seat by the dad. And you hear the dad going, do you want help with that? Because she's trying to buckle her car seat. You want help with that? No, no, you worry about yourself. I can do it. I can do you worry about yourself. You drive, you drive. <laughs> it's so cute. And the dad, I have to say, is doing parenting beautifully at that moment. He's just like, but would you like some help? No, no, do it self. We're supposed to do that. If we don't become a self, we can't have a relationship with the Lord. We have to differentiate in order to have a relationship, to be a mature spiritual being, we have to have a self. Oh, what was her name that had the stroke? Wrote, the woman who wrote my stroke of insight and talked about her experience of when her left brain went offline and then it would come back online and it would go offline. And have anyone read that? It's amazing correspondential to me example of the difference between our left brain and our right brain or our spiritual side and our celestial side. And she said when the, when the left brain went offline, there was no self, there was no worry, there was no time. She was at one with everything and it was beautiful. If you see her lecture on TED, she talks like, beautiful, and I'm a million, billion, trillion cells of life, and it's beautiful. That was her experience. And then her left brain would kick back in because it hadn't been completely cut off yet as the stroke was happening. And it's like, 
oh no, oh no, I'm having a stroke, I have to get help, I have to get help. But she couldn't, she was losing her language and her ability to dial the phone and how do you figure out how to get help and then it would go offline. It's beautiful. And, and to me it's like, oh, we need sequencing. We need to know there's a before and an after. We need to go, I mean time is a freaking nuisance, but we need it to get up and get dressed and feed ourselves. If we were celestial all the time, we'd beautifully celestially starve to death. Because we wouldn't do anything. I mean, we might feel uncomfortable, and we might cry, but we wouldn't do anything about it. There wouldn't be a someone to do anything about it. We wouldn't even know we had agency because there wasn't an I. So the left brain does the identity side and we are meant to have an identity and the whole work of children and especially teens is figuring out who they are that's not their family and not their parents and not their peer group though the peer group is the main thing they use as their mirror um, that's really important for us to do so I think Swedenborg was getting real judgy about something in his life <laughs> when he's saying, you know, bad, wrong, awful. Uh, uh. He was, his father was a bishop, a Lutheran bishop at a very pietistic, you know, holy, pure, we need purity and sanctity and purity over in this pure box. And anything that wasn't is not, you know, it's less than. Um, so, so I understand it differently because I, I'm, I don't find it redemptive to be hearing that this is a bad, wrong process. Five minutes till we're completely done. Wow. So anyway, I guess that's all I'm going to say. And there's tons more there. But this is where I want to end then. And then tiny bit of time for discussion. Um, finally, when, when the first human that's created gets this second human, the second human is the sense of self that we just, we don't know who we are until we have a sense of, we don't have a R until we get this sense of self that God gives us. Oh, I'm me, I'm separate from. I have agency, I, have a, I, have a, I can do stuff. We're meant to have that, We're, it belongs together. And even after Swedenborg's like bad, wrong, awful, eh, celestial, not celestial, choosing bad, downhill, but, Eve is the bride and wife of the Lord. Wait, what? The heavenly proprium, which is a word that basically means self, a feeling of self, a feeling of being a separate being. To me, that is saying, oh, this is the thing. This, this me sense of self is what can have a relationship with the Lord. If I don't have this, how do I be in relationship? There isn't a thing to relate to. I can respond. So this sense of wanting to respond comes from the proprium, the Eve. And that is what becomes the, the bride and wife of the Lord. And each of us being that to the best of our ability is what makes the church, which is the bride and wife of the divine. Thank you for listening. Talk amongst yourselves. Uh, are we done? We're done done? Any comments? Five minutes.
we will sit in beautiful peace, and if thoughts and reflections come up, we will speak them. Well, I just wonder um, how, if, if we just stuck to the model of the, the one person principle, um, how that only a few of us become, get past the first day or the second day or the third day, how that would apply um, rather than saying that you over there, you're not going to get past the first day, you know. Um, and I certainly plan to develop. I plan to, um, so. <laughs> yeah, although There's I There's no space for you. Yeah. 66, I'm still. <laughs> but, but internally, how, how does that, how may that look? Do you have a thought about that? Do you want to answer that? No, but maybe you could. <laughs> well, I was having the same sort of thing that when you look at it in terms of ourselves, it we don't just get so quantitative. In other words, don't look at oh that, oh, right. that person only got to stage one, that person, but look at the stages within us as where they're going. Okay. Uh, the other thing is I don't like the good bad paradigm. Yeah. I look at it as stages of growth that have ups and downs. Okay. And so that in the longer, I look at them, but I'll get into my own lecture by saying <laughs> But the first day is related to the second day. All of those are related to the first 11 chapters of Genesis, which are all related to okay. the glorification of the Lord and our regeneration, so that they're all pieces of a larger story. Yeah. Okay. Beautiful. So, Did you have something to say, well, Guard? I, just, I believe it's very possible to read that one statement in context. Mm -hmm. Of course, Swedenborg was writing in, in 17, writing that in 1749 or, or, or so, um, in his limited world in Europe. And he was seeing hypocrisy, he was seeing all kinds of problems to which he was trying to respond. And it could have been a kind of uh, almost a um, associational thought where yeah. he looked around that particular day and thought, wow, this Nobody is a pretty serious state of affairs. Yeah. It doesn't appear to me that many people yes. are regenerating. So I, I would put that in historical yeah. context. And he says elsewhere very, very different things. Yes. And the whole, Thank you. The whole setup is much more along the line of, yeah. of very, very helpful stages of development. And that one comment is among many comments where they're historically set in a context. And we certainly all probably have had moments of, is anybody doing this besides me? Um, yeah. Right. Um, yes. Thank you. Thank you. I have a question. Um, I was interested in the last part of your lecture or speak about um, when you need to have a self to have a relationship with God. And I just wanted to know what your thoughts or the thoughts of the church about people who don't have a sense and never will have a sense of self. Um, I have a friend who has a daughter who's micro something. Yeah, yeah. She will never have a sense of self. On this earth. On this earth. She doesn't. But she has an amazing relationship with her father, and her father has become, he thinks like his life work is because of his daughter. Uh -huh. And like, he's like, I am a like learning soul. I have learned so much from my daughter. And um, what I think he has is this 
a relationship with his daughter and maybe God, and I think that he sees her and her growth, and I'm just wondering how that can kind of That's tie a in wonderful to, question. to yeah. your thoughts and practices, and does this woman, she's now a woman, who still doesn't have that sense, like, does she have a relationship somehow? Like, she, she, you know yes. what I mean? Like, how does, how can that work? It, it's not a cognitive one, right? Right. It's, I mean, she, it's like intuitive, emotional, can't innocent. Herself, she can't do anything. But I right. think that she still enjoys the sun. Like you right. Know, she, you, when she hears certain sounds, she so lights up. Like so an infant, has like a beautiful that, shining yes, infant. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. Yes. And and um, that's a, a beautiful state. And she, in some ways, is so blessed to get to do all of this planet like that. Yes. Um, and but she still feels pain and angst. Yeah, and still so like a baby. Still, still yeah, still yeah. And there's well. something and she's so in this constant state of bliss, bliss. right? No, yes. like babies aren't either. Right. Yeah, Correct. yeah. Correct. Um, exactly. Yeah, we're done. So we can stay and talk, but you can also go get your coffee. The next lecture starts at ten o'clock, so ten minutes. Um, there's a lot I could say in response to that. Uh, and I'm sure others could as well, but I do want to give people permission oh, yeah. to leave, or I can just go on. Um, what I would I say to, is that, I yeah. Stop. Stop. Go. checked out the live feed. We had people in Canada, people in Massachusetts, people in New York, and Jason in the dining room. Woohoo! And also, we did drop out in the middle.